0: Hey, everybody. Welcome in the latest edition Bleeding Claret and Cobalt presented by One Wire Fiber. This is your host, Trey Fitzgerald. I apologize again for the gap in shows lately. Completely my fault. My technical inability to do a few things has hampered us, but we're back on track. Thanks to our producer, Ryan Hale. Ryan, how are you doing today? Good. Good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it is a. Uh...
0: You know, sometimes getting these things
1: on the air is not as easy yeah. as it looks.
0: <laughs> we don't need to bore you with how the sausage is made. So uh excited to to get into our guest today. And some people very close to RSL may know him. Tamor Roosty. Tamor was the team administrator of the monarch starting their second season, uh twenty sixteen. Tamor came to Real Salt Lake through Craig Weibel, who knew Tamor during his time at the University of Washington. Some of you may remember that Weibel was an assistant coach up with the Huskies between his time as a player and an assistant coach, later technical director, and then GM at RSL. So he brought Tamor in. Tamor had spent a lot of time at UW around uh, the athletic department, specifically the men's soccer program, And Tamor Ryan is kind of a jack-of-all-trades guy. Big personality, uh, born in London, raised in Paris. Uh, He's a world traveler, um, came to the U.S. for college. He holds an Egyptian passport. I think he's got a couple other passports, actually. And just one of the most amazing people I've ever encountered in my time in soccer. I'm fortunate enough to call him a very close, dear friend now. And... You know, we we spend a, a, a large time, a large bulk of this conversation talking to Tamor about his experience over at Barnsley in the English Championship. Uh, Tamor uh, went over to Barnsley at the summer of 2019, and Dane Murphy, who was the technical director, formerly a scout also, for Real Salt Lake, is now the CEO, the chief executive of Barnsley, took Tamor with him, and and I'll be frank, Tamor, I believe, is the best employee, the best single employee in the history of Real Salt Lake. This guy, as you know, Ryan, is a jack-of-all-trades, uh, master of many, actually. He's done everything from inventory, the Adidas order uh, for RSL and the Monarchs, to the Nike order for the Royals, to handling passports and immigration and legal issues for... Players and coaches, and trying to get everybody around in addition to a lot of the normal kind of travel logistics, team scheduling logistics, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But now he is the club secretary for Barnsley, which just lost in the championship promotion playoffs, which would have meant hundreds of millions of dollars uh, to that club over the next few years if they can get promoted. And stay up. But anyway, as as you hear Tamor explain, uh, they go from being 21st and almost missing um, being relegated into League One a year ago. And part of the reason they weren't relegated, frankly, is because one of the teams below them was only below them because they were docked points because of financial miscues as they call it in england they went into administration so um i'm a little fuzzy on the details because it's been a while but they were docked either six or 12 points which allowed barnsley to stay up as you hear from taymore on a last minute goal on the last day of the season they stay in the championship and then here we are a year later they bring over the american um Daryl DK on loan from Orlando. He scores nine goals in his first 11 games. They go on an incredible unbeaten run. Um, just a fascinating conversation, and um, it's great to hear Tamor's voice, period, but it's always great to hear the passion and positivity, and that's my takeaway, Ryan, about Tamor is he is always glass half full. He never is negative. He never gets down, he never gets beaten. If he is, he doesn't show it. His enthusiasm uh, for the sun coming up tomorrow and the opportunity of a new day, both personally and professionally, is one of my favorite qualities about and one of the most um, inspiring things I can say about him. So what are your favorite uh, Taymor memories during your time around the club? Yeah, absolutely, he's he's an
1: incredible guy. Um, When you have, uh, when you work in the office with, you know, down the hall from him or whatever, um, one thing you notice is that that guy never stops. It's always, you know, he's always just going 100 miles an hour. And, but that's not every time you cross him in the hallway, he's going to stop and talk to you. And like, I mean, I, I feel like he's, you know, as we're diving deep into like, kind of like the, the, the office employees of RSL, yeah. which I think is important. I think to like, to understand like this well, team, culture. You, you is, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I think that like on the show we've been able to like highlight several of those. Um, Tamar's one of those people that in a normal, in a normal team situation, I don't think anybody outside of the team would know Tamar, but I think as a fan, I think a lot of, a lot of the, our listeners have had in interactions with Tamar. Sure. Um, one of my big things that I, you know, as that I've seen him, um, well, he was when he was the team admin for the Monarchs. Um, he was like the ambassador for that team. Everybody in the state, yeah. I mean, he was the hype man for that team. He was the, <laughs> you know, there was no one in the stadium that was more excited to be, you know, to, to watch them succeed than he was. You'd yeah. see him on the, he'd be, what a goal would, go, would uh, someone, uh, there'd be a Monarchs goal, and Taymor is running up and down the <laughs> sideline in his suit. You know, he's yep. like, he's like six four. he's yeah. like a big guy. I mean, it's hard to miss. But he's personable with everybody, and that's just one of those things. Like, you know, yeah, this is a great guy, and this is you know our the 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 back office, the front office, whatever you want to call it, is 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 full of people like him. And seeing him out at, at Barnsley, and you know, like actually, as this you know this last uh, couple months, is the Daryl D.K. stuff kind of blew up. Yeah, you know, I think as MLS fans, we kind of knew he was a special talent, but like seeing him get that national attention, and then hearing Barnsley come up like on you know Men in Blazers and right. hearing it on that, like it was amazing to see like, oh yeah. Th- you know the person the people making it happen is uh you know tamor's out there making it happen for yeah. that guy too uh one here's a here's a little known fact i don't know that it, that many fans know this but if you remember the the black the black monarchs kit from two years ago three years ago okay it was, it was a popular one it was like they had the they had a third they had a third uh um third jersey which rsl didn't even have it was Tamor. Tamor pulled that out, you know, just because he was on the phone with Adidas, you nice. know, on a random thing. He's like, How about we do a black one too? <laughs> and then we had that cool one of the best the best kits in, you know, club yeah. history is like that that monarchs that monarch's black kit. Anyway, that's a you know, Tamor does it all.
0: Tamor is a magician, he's a gem of a human. Uh, this is a fun interview. He talks about uh, being the officiant in uh Elliot Falls wedding a few years ago. Um, he talks a lot about the ride from the bottom of the championship uh, to the um, brink of promotion and really shares a lot of fond memories, well wishes, and insights on the culture here at Rail Salt Lake at the pyramid uh, permeating from the first team to the Monarchs to the academy You'll hear him uh, mention some names, both past and present. And um, it's just great to catch up with a member of the RSL family that is still in the football soccer world having success. And uh, as as Taymor um, reminds us, he cannot wait to get back to Utah for a little bit of sushi over at Takashi and a lot of skiing uh, up the hill there at Brighton. So without any... Further ado, we go to our man, Tamor Rushdie, club secretary for Barnsley Football Club, right here on Bleeding and Cobalt, presented by One Wire Fiber. Leading Claret and Cobalt presented by OneWireFiber.com. That's the number one, WireFiber.com. The goal at OneWire has always been a simple one deliver cutting edge telecommunications products and services better than anyone in the Utah communities we serve to all businesses, regardless of size, affordably. Visit OneWireFiber.com or call 801 990 6200. Tamar, how are you?
2: I'm very well. Always good to speak with you.
0: Yeah, you sound great. It's beautiful to hear your voice.
2: Uh, Likewise, my friend, likewise.
0: (laughs) So, Tamar, let's start here. Um, We are less than a week removed from, I would say, an ultimately disappointing uh, 2-1 loss in the championship promotion playoff semifinal Barnsley losing uh, 2-1 on aggregate to Swansea, but overall a fifth-place finish in the championship and uh, 23 wins, 9 draws, 14 losses, 78 points from 46 games in a 2021 season uh, for Barnsley. I guess just now that you've had a few days to maybe absorb – uh, that disappointment give us your thoughts on the overall run uh, that your club had over the last uh, year
2: I mean in one word incredible but I, you know you you take two steps back and you you know you get over the fact that on, obviously on Saturday we were all devastated crushed by the the outcome because I think we all believed in the fact that there was a chance there was absolutely a chance that we could get it done to kind of seal the fairy tale ending. And, um, you look back and you say, well, well, let's just go from 30,000 feet and take a look at the season. And, you know, we, we finished 21st last season and we stayed up by the skin of our teeth with a last minute goal away at Brentford and everyone was celebrating. It was one of the, I mean, honestly, it was one of the most incredible moments of my professional career yet, you know, just under 12 months later, we are all devastated because we've lost in this playoff semifinal? But if you look at it, we finished fifth in the table, so the the improvement is incredible. It's stark in many ways, and it's a I think it's a testament to the to the football club. It's a testament to how everyone's kind of banded together. It's a testament to the players, the manager, the staff, just kind of all coming together as one in in, in a lot of ways and, and believing in the goal that we we set out for ourselves. Look, if I were to tell you that we we went into the season thinking we'd get promoted i'd be lying but you know we wanted to be a, an improvement on the the previous season and i think in all every single way you look at it whether it's on the pitch off the pitch or whatever i genuinely believe that as a football club we improved and i think the the final position is a is a great way to equate that and put that into put that into a tangible product so yes disappointed absolutely disappointed that we didn't go on and and steal promotion. But at the same time, I think everyone should, I, I've told all the players, this, walking off the pitch is to, to walk out with your heads held high because there's so much to be proud of in this season. You know, we're the youngest team in the league and we, we should, we basically made everyone take notice of Barnes, football club when in reality, most people don't look twice. So
0: I guess there's so many directions I can go. I'm so excited to, to have this time with you, taymor Um, paint a picture for the listeners who may not be so familiar with the championship and I guess how close you you just referenced how close you were almost to being relegated a year ago to League One and now this past year so much improvement and obviously Daryl DK is the big name that everybody associates with Barnsley and he's had an unorthodox pass, a path going from college soccer to Orlando city to Barnsley playing his way into the U S national team, a a lot of excitement and expectations for him. Obviously the improvement, uh, for your club this year was, was, uh, driven by so much more than just Daryl, but he, he scored so many goals at critical moments. He gets, he gets a lot of the headlines over at least on this side of the pond. Um, and then I want to I hear your take on how you and former RSL technical director Dane Murphy even found your way to Barnsley and and how much change you've seen in the club over, over the last two years.
2: Yeah, I think, look, the, the championship is, a lot of people will tell you it's probably the most grueling football league in the world. Um, you play 46 games. Midweek games are common. Um, it's brutal. The, the, the style of play is quite physical. It, it, it's, you know, it's funny because in the MLS, I remember coming from the MLS and you play 34 games in the league. You may have a game or two in the Open Cup. And when there's, you know, three games in a week, it's always kind of like, oh, how are we going to deal with three games in a week? It's not necessarily the, the norm. You know, here it's, it's you're pretty much three game weeks are, are more com- more more common than they are not. Um, I mean, we went to we went, we did two stretches this season where we I think we had around 12 games in 38 days, mm. which if you think about it is quite crazy. And what's the um,
0: squad size?
2: And that's the, that's exactly and that's the key piece which I was getting to is we're you know we're using a squad of about you know in terms of using players probably between 16 to 18 16 to 20 players. Wow. Um, a lot of our a lot of our starting 11 played. Upwards of, uh, if you include the cup competitions, upwards of forty-five to fifty games this season. Um, we, I think, in total, we played fifty-four matches this season with all the cup exertions. So, just the grind of it is is unique in so many ways. And I, you know, we have players that we, we brought in a player from from Poland, Mister Michał Helik, and he, to his credit, he had an incredible first season in England, and all of a sudden, he's found his way into the Poland European Championship squad. But he he was like he's telling me that my he's like you know this is almost two full Polish seasons which is where he came from, <laughs> wow and it, it, it's so it's it's a grind but that's what I think kind of makes it a lot more fun I think we all love the games right and when you work in football you work towards the games and when this season just because especially because the season was condensed because we started late mm-hmm. I mean you just it comes a point where it's just and you are just game, 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 and it's enjoyable because I I guess, especially for us, because we were getting positive results. Sure. Um, so that, that's the, for me, one of the biggest differences between, you know, the championship and almost most other leagues is just the amount, sheer amount of games that we play. Um, and that was, that was something that I knew about, but I wasn't obviously used to. So, you know, kind of going into the transition and, 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 you know, talking a little bit about Dane and myself and how we we ended up over here. um, I think, you know, Dane, in so many ways, Dane is, is brilliant and uh, his success is, is just testament to the work that he puts in. His, his ability to navigate relationships, work well with people um, and, and find good players. You know, I think, People forget that yes, he's the chief executive of this football club, but he's also very much involved in in finding players, not just with our model, but also you know, make finding players that will end up fi- fitting the model that Barnsley use. And he's through his abilities in doing that at, at Real Salt Lake, at, at, I'm briefly with with Washington, with DC United. Um, he was afforded the opportunity at Barnsley to be the chief exec. Um, and he, he brought me with him, you know, in no uncertain terms, he, he brought me with him. And I think one of the things that we have been able to bring to Barnsley is the, is a, an atmosphere, I think we had to change the atmosphere at the club. I think that was the biggest, the biggest task we had was to, to bring in a, a positive can do atmosphere. I think if you come to Barnsley, if you come to our offices here at Oakwell, you'll see that there truly are some incredible people that work here. Wonderful, wonderful people that care genuinely and deeply about the football club. And they come from all different, you know, a lot of them are people that have been born and bred in Barnsley and have been here their entire lives. But there are also people that are not from Barnsley, transplants that have made their way to Barnsley for this job. Um, and we're un, in many ways, we're understaffed, but that allows us to kind of build, come together, work together, help each other. And we almost have that kind of chip on our, our back, uh, chip on our shoulder, sorry, mentality that has served us so well, because I think what Dane and I brought is, you know, yes, we all do our work, but can we all come together to do it together? Can we put it, can we do it with a smile on our faces? Can we lift the atmosphere, bring a positive energy and a positive climate and atmosphere to an office, which in turn will bring positivity to the footballing side and then hopefully that positivity and the work rate and the work ethic will lead to the success that we are all looking for on the pitch and I do believe that yes it's part of you know part of the journey we've been on in these last two years has been to to create that atmosphere and to create that platform for everybody to allow the manager who has done an incredible job himself and the players who have put in the incredible work rate that they've put in to achieve the fifth place finish this season uh, and it's culminated in that and uh, you know I it's funny I, I say this all the time when people ask me questions this type of question but I'm a big believer that in any not just football club but in any organization you it's a it's like one big puzzle and every single person in the organization is a piece to the puzzle Granted, the football players, the guys in the starting eleven, may be a bigger piece to the puzzle. The manager may be a bigger piece to the puzzle. Um, but every single person, from the person that is painting painting in the stadium, to the maintenance staff, to the ground staff, to, to myself in the in the sec- club secretary office, to the lady that does payroll, to our to our incredible media staff at the club who work their socks off, to the lady at the at the reception, every single person is a piece. And if we're all able to come together and work together, that puzzle just forms much quicker, and essentially that's our goal is to complete the puzzle. That's my analogy. I always use that analogy, and I, I genuinely believe in it because I think this season has been an example of that puzzle being put together in an incredible way.
0: You know what this all sounds like, Tamar? It sounds like Real Salt Lake at its heyday. And um, I know you and, and Dane were, were yeah. positive – Beacons of light during your times at the Monarchs and at RSL, and and this is why I uh, consistently refer to you as the best employee in the history of our Clara and Cobalt Club. But um, I guess what are besides everything you just expounded upon? What are some of those uh, maybe lessons or experiences that you fondly remember that that you've been able to to implement in a new country in a new league?
2: Yeah, and funny because I, I, am First of all, thank you for the wonderful compliment. Um, it's very kind of you, but I, you know, I think that my dream was always to work in professional football, and the first step to that was to get into the professional game. And um, Craig Weibel, Rob Zarkos gave me that opportunity at uh, with RSL and the Monarchs, and that was my first exposure to the professional game. So, I always say that you know you're only Never, ever forget your roots. Never, ever forget what you've learned from all your different places. You know, I started at the University of Washington with Jamie Clark and the Huskies, uh, got the opportunity at Real Salt Lake. And I'm so abundantly grateful for those experiences because that's what's given me the platform to succeed currently at Barnsley and, and who knows, you know, in the future. Um, I think RSL in a lot of ways, and I think we all say, you know, I, I know I've said it to you hundreds of times I've said it to Elliot hundreds of times. Dane and I always talk about this, but it's the the potential to be special at RSL is there. It's, it's there. It's there for everyone to see. And, you know, we, in my three and a half years there, there were some amazing ups. There were certainly some downs. Um, but I do think that there was a lot of, you know, in a lot of ways, there's so many similarities between Real Salt Lake and Barnsley. Just the... You know, the fact that, for example, we are perhaps one of the lower payrolls in the, we are one of the lowest payrolls in the championship. I know RSL is towards the lower end in, in the MLS. Um, and that again, that chip on our shoulder mentality, that ability to come together and work together. These are all things that I've, I've, I have learned while I was at RSL, because as much as I love the University of Washington, in many ways, it's a powerhouse, right? It's a, it's a powerhouse in college sports. And you don't have that perhaps smaller club mentality. Uh, RSL, I think, you know, for given it's in what everyone considers a small market, punches well above its weight. And I think that's what we did here in Barnsley this season: is we punched well above our weight. When people tell you we can't do it, we say no, 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 we can do it. And for me, that's that's what football is all about, right? Is the fairy tales, it's the stories, it's it's the going against the grain, and it's about Can you overcome what everyone thinks should be the norm? And I know that, you know, with the people, there's a lot of the people that are still at RSL, I know it's possible. I have no doubt in my mind because, you know, just you look at some of the players that are still there, who I know personally, who are wonderful guys. I know a lot of the staff still, people that I consider to be genuine friends, yourself included. Um, And... I have the utmost faith i'm i I, i'm just gutted that i haven't been able to come back and visit and see you guys thriving in this kind of new environment that you guys have been given and uh, i have this what's the word i'm looking for it's almost like a like a dream to see rsl achieving all these things that we've all set out to do you know over the years and obviously the culmination was a 2013 championship which you guys were unbelievable in but it's to get back there it's to get back into the champions league it's to win these trophies to win a u.s open cup it's it's to it's to it's to be amongst the elite and to not just be there but to stay there and honestly i don't see any reason why that can't happen i don't especially in 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 u.s sports leagues where there is an element of parity in a lot of ways to help to help clubs um go and be special if they get the things, if they get coaching right, if you get off the pitch right, if you get, you know, all the little, all the little details right, uh, all the little details that go into that puzzle I was referencing. Um, and I learned that at RSL. I learned a lot of these things, a lot of these little life lessons about football, working in football, working with players, uh, managing staff. That's what I learned at, at RSL with my first professional football experience.
0: Um We'll talk about unlearning some of Craig Weibel's lessons uh, later in the interview, but uh, just kidding, Craig. Um, what what is what have you seen as far as the evolving, changing perception of American football, North American football, MLS, and Real Salt Lake specifically? Uh, you know, from from across the pond.
2: Yeah, it's it's it's. It's interesting because you still, in England, you still have people that think the U.S., the MLS in general, or U.S. soccer is just a retirement league, yeah. which I do everything in my power to stress when people say that, that that's just not true anymore. It might have been true 15 years ago sure. 10 years ago, but it's not true anymore. And and American, American soccer or football, or whatever you want to call it, whether people want to accept it or not, is growing beyond measure, and by the way, I think it's in in every it's in the interest of everybody abroad to start kind of understanding that it's growing, because otherwise they're gonna, you know, I have the scary thought that all of a sudden U.S. soccer is going to go well and well and truly ahead of some of these other countries just because other countries don't want to ex- accept that they are growing. Um, you know, I think Daryl is an extremely perfect example of that. Sure. You know, I, I have no doubt in my mind that when we woke up on the 1st of February and we got him a work permit and realized that he was going to come over here and announced it, that there were plenty of people that would have thought, oh, what are we bringing in this American 20-year-old? What's he really going to be able to do for us? You know, and that's just the, unfortunately, that's just the stereotype. Um, and, you know, over the course of four months, I think he almost single-handedly went ahead and said, Actually, guys, look, American soccer is real. Look what I just did in the championship for four months. You know, I, I would, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Daryl was the greatest loan signing of the entire footballing world in the last six months. Find me a better loan signing in the entire world that had a bigger impact in four months. I don't think you'd be able to find anyone. So,
0: if I mean, I'd offer not- up Rubio Rubin, but he's not a loan signing; he's a permanent signing. So uh, we'll leave him on the, to the side. I I believe I clarified and said loan I signing. Did. I did. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and 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 for the record, I, I'm not sure it's been four months yet for Mister. That's Rubin. correct. It's been, been much shorter than start. that. And I hope his I hope his start continues as, and is as strong as it's been. But yeah, I mean, look, Daryl is. A, it's like I It's a great example of you underestimate somebody and he's come in and been absolutely brilliant for us and if that's not a a poster advertisement for where US soccer is going and how the world should take note uh and respect the game over there then I don't know I don't think anything will anything is and i think there's he's not you know, there's plenty of players that that have come from the MLS and 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 made their way over to, to teams not just in England but in Europe and excelled. I um, mean, look at there's there's Americans playing now in in almost every major division at high levels. We're talking. We're not just talking for for small teams. You know, you've got obviously Weston at at, at Juve, um, uh, Christian Pulisic at Chelsea. They're, these are like, these are big clubs, you know, Sergio Desta, Barcelona, this isn't just a...
0: And they're all winning game trophies, game. and they're all contributing yeah. to trophy-winning teams. It's been an amazing I'm, year for, exactly. for young Americans.
2: And that's a mentality, to be part of a winning team is a mentality. And for me, you know, what's the difference? I mean, why, why should the U.S. not be considered on the same level as as teams like, you know, Poland, Croatia, other teams in the top 20 in the U.S. rankings, why should all of us? Why should the MLS not be given the same respect? Clearly, the level of the player, the level of the league. By the way, the facilities in the MLS are hands down, far and away the best in my I've ever seen. Much better than than any of the countries in in Europe. You know, thing. So, what's to stop them? Nothing, in my opinion. The answer is nothing. There's nothing stopping the MLS. I, I mean, look at RSL. RSL is a great example. RSL training facility is probably one of the top. 10, 15 training facilities in football around the world. Not just in the US, in the world. Yeah. So so if you have that, naturally you're gonna start alluring better players and better players. And naturally the amount the, the amount of money in the league is increasing. Hopefully the next I know the next TV deal is kind of the big, big one. And hopefully that's a that's another big deal. And it just increases the the value of the league. But again, like I say, a lot of people in Europe might turn their noses up at the the level of, of soccer in the US or the level of the MLS. But truth be told, the MLS is probably higher than most, Some you know, the level of the league in the MLS is probably the same, if not higher, than most of the leagues in England. Okay, it's not the Premier League. Okay, it's not the Championship. Okay, it's not La Liga or Serie A, uh, you know, but, you know, that's just four or five leagues. <laughs> to be a top 10 league in the world when, and you've only been around since ninety six I think that's a you know that's incredible most of the leagues they're they're surpassing have been around for fifty to a hundred years
0: has, has there been um any resistance to the ideas the attitude the work ethic not the work ethic but the the practices that you and Dane have implemented because of your American experience in any circles
2: no I mean look I think sometimes People can look at us. Look, we walk in. We're obviously, we talk different to everybody here. We, we, are, we have new ideas, but I think the most important- You sound like here, a Brit to me. Uh, I love, thank you. That's <laughs> a huge, but i tell you what, up in Bonesley, I don't sound anything like a Brit. Most <laughs> I'm, about, I'm about as foreign as they come up here. Um, so, I look, I think you, I always say you lead, if you lead by example and you put in the work, people will follow. And then if the work you're putting in, the ideas you're putting in tend to work out and tend to be positive and bring about positive change, naturally people are happy with it. So, you know, my my approach is always, doesn't matter what your job is, you can always help. You can always do something to help, whether it's within your job description or not within your job description. And that that was my mentality and my mantra from the first day I walked in the door. Okay, I came in as the club secretary, but that didn't mean that I couldn't help out the ticketing office with something or I couldn't help out um, the HR department. If I was able to help, if I could lend a helping hand, I was going to do it. And that's what endears you to your colleagues, right? Because it allows them to, first of all, allows you to open up to them, allows them to open up to you. And, and that is the relationships that you need to build in order for everybody to come together as a collective. I'm so, I harp on it. I say it over and over and over again, but I genuinely, genuinely believe it. it's so important To have a good relationship with the people you work with because at the end of the day, you spend most of your time with them. You know, I spend most more of my time with these guys and ladies than I do with with some of my family members. So why shouldn't I develop that relationship, have a strong working relationship, have them be able to trust me, me be able to trust them? And once you do that at the, early, at the early stages of the onset, it allows them to, to trust you. It allows them to believe in the ideas that you want to bring forward. And then you implement them. And that's what we did. That's what Dane has done. That's what I've done. Um, and it's a testament to the staff that are that work here who all kind of bought in and and have been terrific, honestly, terrific to work with. And I, I think I said it earlier, they're just honestly wonderful people, human beings, and that makes it easier.
0: Speaking of family, how... Proud are you, and how observant are you of the success from afar that you've seen? People like Freddie Juarez or Rob Zarcos, Elliot Fall, Andrew Brody, uh, Mark Briggs, now in Sacramento. A lot, a lot of the people that you helped build the Monarchs with um, are off to a great start in MLS, and have really stabilized the ship here in Salt Lake.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing when you look back. It's funny cuz that was I think I came I came in 2016. 16. Yeah, January 2016 and you look at some of the pieces there and what's happened since in those 16 17 years and it's all it's all I mean I I look at it in so many different ways. You look at Freddie, who's gone on to become, you know, the gaffer of the first team and and good for him. I think he's, he's he you he talk about putting in the work you talk about earning your stripes you talk about you know paying your dues and i I think at at a club like rsl nobody's really paid their dues in terms of the coaching and playing like freddie has Mm. all the way from the academy to the first team if that's not the dream for every football club i don't know what is and at the end of the day then you look at all the play i mean james moberg somebody i know from his first day at university of washington gets a professional contract, works his socks off, is now, I think, captain of the monarchs, been with the monarchs all these years, stabilizing person in the changing room, has basically grown up in the last four or five years and become a, just recently, or is about to become a father, actually, sorry. Um, and his and his life is in Utah. And, and I take immense pride in that. It's so I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of of what he's been able to do and what he's been able to, you know, the life he's been able to create for himself and Caitlin, his his wife. Um, And then again, you mentioned Brody. I mean, Brody stuck at it, stuck at it, went to Austria, killed it in Austria and finally got his chance and then goes on and has an incredible debut. I I was watching with, I was so unbelievably happy for him. That's right. It was a noon
0: kickoff. So you were able to watch that one.
2: I was so pumped again. Shout out for the noon kickoffs. Keep, keep them coming. Um,
0: there, nobody's a real big fan of those locally. I'll just say, right. It's in the, it's in the heart of the, uh, of the youth soccer experience
2: and and the summer heat
0: anyway. Sorry. Um, Back to Brody.
2: Yeah. But Brody, like what an, what a, what a story. And it's, it's, it's incredible. And I think it's a testament to the, the, the foundations at RSL that guys can succeed like that. You look at the, you look at the model. You look at the amount of players that come through the academy that play for the first team, that play for the Monarchs, that not just play but have a meaningful contribution. You know, you look at Justin Glad, you look at Aaron Herrera, you look at the guys like Andrew Brody. Uh, I mean, you look now all these young guys that are coming through the Bodie Davises. Mm. Um, it, it, it's it's awesome, it's honestly, it's so awesome because if you look at the definition of what a football club wants to do, that's what a football club wants to do. They wanna bring players through their youth system, have them rise through the ranks, and have the ability to play for the first team. That's the romantic model of football. That's what football was before teams were spending 50, 60, 70, 80 million pounds to buy, to bring players in. And, and RSL's doing it, in my opinion, if not the best, better than any team, in the MLS, um, I is a great, you know, you bring guys in, you bring coaches in, you bring players into the Monarchs, who get them who develop, become first team players, Michael Chang's, Justin Portillo's, all these guys, you know, it, it's, it, I'm, I'm proud to know them. I'm proud of them. Uh, I've always told those guys, if they ever need anything, my line is always open. These guys, you mentioned, you know, it was family. For me, the football, my football family is everybody that I've come in, come in contact with connections with in my time in the game because the guys that know the guys that I've been with they know that I'm there for them and I hope they are there for me because it, it, it's it's awesome to see uh, Dane is a great example of that you know I met Dane in Salt Lake I met Melissa in Salt Lake and those guys that you know we came out here together to be in Barnsley and they're honestly honestly like my family here in Barnsley um Craig Weibel another one you know somebody I, I look up to tremendously he's a, he's a mentor of mine now is in seattle doing doing great things and uh rob rob zarkos gave gave me a chance another guy that gave me a chance in salt lake um guys like dan egner who i worked with closely tim weaver tim weaver is is now actually living in the uk with his with his partner that's right a here and and it's those relationships these are people that i considered good friends elliot fall i mean elliot I, i married elliot and danielle um these are people that these are relationships that for me, lasts forever. It's not just guys or people that I've met. It's people that I've worked with, my that I've worked with, that I will have relationships with forever. You know, you go around that office that we work, and it's, I, we always talk about how much we work at RSL, and it's true. We all put in so much graft, and um, I'm always in contact with with guys like Elliot, with, with Kaja, with Vahe. You know, these are all people that I hold dear to my heart because... As I mentioned earlier, I used to spend more time with them than with anybody else. And that's, you know, guys like you, Trey, you know, what I would give to be in Salt Lake right now going to Takashi for dinner with you tonight, you know, (laughs) That's, that's what it's all about. And that's why I always stress to people when you go to clubs, no matter if you're there for three weeks or whether you're there for three years or 10 years. Get to know the people you work with because those people are most likely going to be the people that you end up having relationships with for the rest of your life and that will help you through the, the good times and the bad. Um, and that's something I, I, I make an absolute emphasis of when I was in Salt Lake, where I'm here in Barnsley, when I was in Seattle, the University of Washington, and wherever I go to next.
0: What do you miss most about Utah besides Takashi, which you just referenced? Oh, the
2: skiing. Oh, the skiing. I miss skiing more than anything. What a what a dream it was to be able to just drive twenty minutes to go ski for an hour or two and then come home twenty minutes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I miss yeah skiing. But honestly, just my friends. I miss I miss like you know it goes back to the last question. I miss my friends who are the people I worked with, the people I got to know, and people that I you know Randy Randy Butts, Kitman. Yeah. Legitimately one of my best friends you know um those are that's what i miss the people that's what i miss about utah the most is the people more than the skiing
0: um what is your i guess future outlook as a guy who obviously care uh, deeply cares about rsl and we've seen the rumors over the last several months about potential ownership groups and everything and You know, one of the reasons I developed this podcast with Ryan was because we wanted to remind people about the tremendous infrastructure this club has physically between the stadium and the training facility. But really, it's about the heartbeat of of this club and and engaging with the fans. And, And truthfully, I think we came along at a time where I think fans here needed to be reminded a little bit about not just the glory days of the club, but the people that make it tick. And, and you've you've hit on so many of these themes. Um, the latest rumor has, um, the from Sportico, has a, a group, um, Harris Blitzer, who owns the 76ers in the NBA, the New Jersey Devils, uh, Crystal Palace, I think Augsburg. Um, they have a lot of different sports-related uh, interests all over the world. But, in that article, it says there's a dozen different entities kind of kicking the tires on Real Salt Lake. Orlando just sold for $450 million, Taymor. Houston yeah. just sold for a reported 400. And my view is that those teams, those clubs, do not have – yes, they're bigger markets, and Orlando's an international tourist destination, but the Houston sale doesn't even include their stadium. Uh, when you look at Real Salt Lake's infrastructure and relevance – and the opportunity to to be a big fish in a small pond here, obviously the Jazz are doing great right now, and, and RSL has always been, I think, very complementary uh, to the Jazz, much like probably the Timbers and the Blazers are up in that market. But um, I just would love to hear your perspective on what you think the next owner of RSL or ownership group is getting.
2: Well, first and foremost, you're getting – You're getting a force that is bought in and wants to be in Salt Lake and wants to bring the club forward in Salt Lake. I think that's paramount because you've got, I mean, Trey, we joke about this all the time and, you know, your your Trey Al license plate, which has to return, you are the heartbeat of of Real Salt Lake. Um, You really are. And your passion, your love for that football club is in... Is truly unparalleled, um, and I think it speaks volumes. You know, you, you were there for so long. You, you took a bit of a sabbatical. You're back again now because you feel that the club needs you, right? and I and I think they do in in many ways. I've always said that well, club needs you. you because the truth is, you are Mister RSL, and when you have that kind of passion towards the project, it's it's you know it's infectious. It's infectious to the people around you, and other people want to have that same passion. And so, what I would tell any owner is, you've got that already. So you've got this incredible infrastructure, a beautiful stadium, an, an incredible training ground. You've got people that work in both locations that are bought in and incredibly invested. I'm um, you I'll, I'll this small side bit, but I, you know, I, I one of my really really good friends is Josh Moeller, who works in 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 operations. Yep. And, you know, I was talking to him like I think it was about a week and a half, two weeks ago, maybe now. And he was just telling me like all the things that he's got to get done in terms of because of, the you know, Vancouver's playing at at Rio Tinto and and all the hours he's putting all these things. I'm thinking, wow, man, like not only are you putting in all this effort that you usually put in for RSL, but you're now going above and beyond and doing this all for Vancouver. And it's just part of like what you do. And it's just your fabric. It's who you are. And I'm thinking there's so many people like that at RSL. So if you're an owner and you're able to see that and you're able to see the infrastructure that's there, and then you come to a game and you realize that, okay, maybe Salt Lake is a small market, but the fan base is incredible, right? Like there's, you you mentioned Houston, you mentioned Orlando, there's plenty of teams around the league where if you watch Colorado, you, you watch games and the grounds, obviously now it's different in COVID times, but before, where the grounds are pretty empty. You know, there's not that many people in the grounds and there's not that many people in the stands. And it's tough. You know, in Houston, you've got the Astros, you've got the Texans, you know, there's so many other teams to think about. In Salt Lake, it's so beautiful because there's the jazz and then there's the, in terms of, you know, highest level of their sport, the jazz and RSO. One's in Sandy, one's in downtown Salt Lake. And like you said, I think they complement each other. I'm not, they're not there to compete with you. They should never compete with each other. It's 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 a different it's a different audience. It's a different, um, you know, the schedules don't really don't truly overlap. So, point being is there's an appetite for the game of football or the game of soccer in Salt Lake. The infrastructure is there. You have people that wanna that want to be there. You have people the workforce that is is top of the line, in my opinion what other i mean why wouldn't you want to have that as an asset you've got a fan base that that loves the football club that go to the games you have i mean what i just can't i can't think of a reason i can't i as much as i try to think oh well, what's the what's the downside what's the you know let me play devil's advocate let me try and find something that ma nah, maybe this isn't maybe this isn't a good spot to buy a club i can't so you know everything's there like and and you know credit in some ways to Deloitte for building some of the things that have been built to be able to give the platform sure. you know for this to be a, a, an attractive product um so I, to be honest with you i'm kind of shocked that it hasn't sold because if i was like you just mentioned if i'm a if i don't owner, if i'm a buyer and i'm seeing orlando and i'm seeing houston go i think well, why wouldn't i want to buy this real salt lake team you know they've got they've already I mean, Already, they do their very best to try and balance the books. Second of all, they've got the infrastructure in place in terms of having to spend to try and bring it to a to a level. You don't have to spend; you don't have to spend a penny, really. There's very little that very little investment into the infrastructure because it's already been done. You have a, an academy that is genuinely one of the best academies in the world, not just in the U.S. but in the world. With a school on site, with a live with a live in live in dorms on site. I mean. If I was going to buy a football club myself, and by the way, again, I know it's not popular at the moment, but you don't have the risk of any relegation. So you, yeah. your asset is quite stable. It's like a no-brainer.
0: Well, and as you alluded to before, the next TV media deal and the World Cup being here in 2026 are only going to increase the asset Ex- value for everybody involved in American soccer.
2: 100%. Exactly.
0: So, Tamor, let's finish on this. What is next uh, for for you and Dane at Barnsley? Does the American pipeline open up a little bit more uh, on the heels of uh, DK?
2: Well, look, I would I would say that I hope so. I, I hope that in terms of the experience that Daryl had here, I hope that he'd be able to, I hope other people in the US were watching, first of all, and would take note of that and think, oh, you know what? We can go play in England. There is this avenue. If we can get things right, uh, it, it, you know, you you become a, a superstar. You know, whether we like it or not, Daryl became a superstar in a lot of ways. Um, and then from our perspective, I, I think it, we, we proved to people over here that hey, you can bring in you can bring in players from the U.S. and they not only can they be good players, they can actually be highly highly impactful players. Um, you know, I know Jordan Morris had a tough time with his injury and mm-hmm. things maybe didn't work out for Ariola at Swansea but um, the, I don't think the impact that Daryl made is can be talked about enough because it's I think we you know we talked about this a lot it's it's all about perception right and the perception has to have changed I know it's changed here in Barnsley I can assure you it's changed here in Barnsley if there's no more this idea of oh you know this guy's coming for America. What's he really going to bring? It's oh wow this guy could be this if oh could he be like Daryl? Could he give us the contribution that Daryl gave us? Because there's no underestimating the contribution that he that he gave us. If you look at I mean some of the statistics, he arrived on February first, and in terms of league matches, we, we didn't lose a league match for about eleven or twelve games after he arrived, and we went on an incredible run. And he scored toward what seven, nine goals uh, in that span. Exactly, and yeah. and some and some blinder, some unbelievable. <laughs> blinders, if you go and look at them, so yeah, the perception has changed, and that's what really is important, I think, because that's what allows more. You know, that's that's what allows people to understand and want more of it, right? So, if if all of a sudden. Uh, another player comes on our radar I think the, that's one of the most incredible things about Dane is he's got these incredible relationships and that's just a testament to who he is really and, and what he's done in this game that he's able to get guys like Daryl DK to come play for Barnsley because he knows the right people and, the, and people trust him you know a lot of times people don't trust people in football because of you know for whatever reason, but Dane is a trustworthy guy. He's he's earned that trust. He's earned that trust from his work ethic, from his ability to be to be true to people, to be honest with people, and and that's given him results. But it's also given the people that that trust him results. So um, I'm one of them. You know, I'm one of them. I, I owe so much to Dane. I'm so grateful to Dane. And you know, if not just our, you know, both on the pitch with Daryl, but I think him and I are also good examples of. Yes, you can leave the U.S., you can work in the U.S., you can come work over here. Um, It it is possible, and you shouldn't be afraid of it because you can be, not only is it possible, you can be successful.
0: Well, Tamor, we can't wait to see you back in Utah at some point. Um, As the world gets back to normal, um, maybe that'll be possible. This summer, um, although you probably have a pretty short turnaround uh, for for the championship and everything EFL related, correct?
2: Well, yeah, but my issue is that your government is still not allowing visitors in. Can you uh, put in a call to your friend uh, Joe, please?
0: Uh, my friend Joe, yes, I will. I will get him on the hotline. Maybe, I, I really, maybe Kamala I, I, as well.
2: Yeah, I really need them to, you know lift this travel ban on people from Schengen areas in the UK. It's really cramping my travel plans. (laughs) I'm trying to come visit you all. You know, I'm doing my very best. I want to be there, but unfortunately your immigration rules are uh, preventing me at the moment.
0: And I I may need you to tap into one of your uh, Austrian fixers. I know you've had a, you've developed a network there through coaches and players. To uh, reclaim maybe some of my property that I still have over in Salfeld it's, uh, because of the the travel ban issues. So, yeah, well, you uh, let me know. I've got plenty
2: of connections in Austria.
0: I'm very I'm uh, very sympathetic. So, we'll we'll <laughs> We'll do this again uh, later this year. Please give Dane and Melissa my personal best, and uh, I, I'm sure that everybody here uh, listening that, that loves RSL and the Monarchs uh, misses you and hears. The passion and um, positivity and optimism in your voice so uh, congrats on a great campaign and uh, again we look forward to seeing you and hearing from you very very soon
2: thank you very much thank you for having me on Trey. like i say it's always a pleasure and um my very best to everyone at real Salt lake and the monarchs I-, I miss you guys tremendously and i love you guys very very much and trey would love to get you on the phone here soon just to chat just to catch up
0: all right tay enjoy uh Leeds. enjoy london enjoy the world trying to get back to normal so
2: thank you man appreciate it we'll talk soon
0: yeah all right buddy thank you
2: take care brother see
0: you all right that is the latest version edition of Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, now presented to you by One Wire Fiber. Go to the number one wirefiber.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to connect with us, and please do, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at Claret Cobalt. C L A R E T C O B A L T. We are always up for some banter, for omissions, corrections guest suggestions, your favorite RSL memories or whatever. You can also share your RSL memories at anchor.fm slash claret and cobalt. Press that message button. We'd love to hear from you. This show, independently produced by Trey Fitzgerald and Mountain Air Media, recorded at Mountain Air Studios in Draper. Utah. The views expressed here on this show are our own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or positions of Real Salt Lake. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.